0: Hamish Spencer is an evolutionary biologist from the University of Otago, and he's just had some good news. He's been appointed as a fellow of the International Science Council. That appointment recognizes an outstanding contribution to the promotion of science as a global public good. It is, in fact, the highest honor awarded by the council. In fact, there are just 100 scientists worldwide, receiving that honour. That's incredible. Hamish has been recognised for the 30 plus years he's spent at Otago's Department of Zoology, where he's largely been involved with the communication and articulation of scientific information to the public. He joins me now. Hello. Kia ora, GC. And congratulations. Thank you. Distinguished Professor Hamish Spencer, I should say, uh, how did you get this news?
1: Uh, well, like you usually do these days in an email.
0: <laughs> <laughs> and I uh, hope you had a good close look at it to make sure one of your colleagues wasn't pranking you.
1: Uh, yeah, I had to be a little careful, but no, it came from a reputable address. Yeah.
0: <laughs> <laughs> you knew about the International Science Council, presumably, and and the fellowships it bestows?
1: Yeah, I did. I mean, the International Science Council is not all that well known, and that's perhaps not surprising. Um, it's a body that uh, to, the, the only members it has are, are other organisations, so like the Royal Society of New Zealand, Te Aparangi, uh, the Royal Society of London, and then it also has members that are groups of, of um academics in particular subject areas, like like the International Union for Pure and Applied Chemistry and the International Union of Biological Sciences. So it's a fairly obscure organisation, but it has an important role.
0: Yes, and it's very highly regarded. It's a big deal, right? Oh, it is a big deal.
1: Yeah, yeah. I'm I'm really honoured and thrilled. Um, and, it, and that you know means that I have a significant responsibility to actually do something more.
0: Yeah, we'll yeah. talk in a moment about what it involves. But what does it mean to you actually to um to receive this?
1: Well, I'm, I am really honoured. I mean, I'm very lucky to be re- so recognised. Uh, but it also means that I do have a responsibility to help the International Science Council achieve some of its goals. And and basically, that means bringing scientific evidence um, to bear on matters of importance to science and society. You know, we, want, we have to make a whole lot of complex decisions about complicated issues. And, and you're going to make better decisions if you have the facts right. And, and scientific evidence is, is one of those facts that can be uh, brought into the decision-making process.
0: Now more than ever, I presume, um, what do you see as you look around the world? What do you see in terms of understanding of and respect for science and scientific principles?
1: Well, it's sort of a mixed picture, I suppose. I mean, it's pretty clear that you know science has been instrumental in helping us through some crises, like COVID, for example. You know, um, without the scientific input, things would have been a heck of a lot worse. meaning you know, millions more people would have died. So that's that's a great. You know, great outcome, and you know our responses to climate change. They might be on the slow side, but they're informed by uh, scientific findings, and you know that makes it a good thing. Um, there is a little bit of uh, criticism of scientists, but I suppose that's to be expected because you know these are complicated problems, right? The problems that are interesting in the world that that, that we wrestle with are not the simple ones because we can solve those, right? We need that. We need we need evidence as part of the decision-making process for the complicated issues.
0: Do you have any formal responsibilities now that you've been appointed as a fellow of the International Science Council?
1: No, um, it doesn't say you've got to turn around and do that, but it does make me, if, you know, if I'm asked to do certain things um, about communicating science or bringing scientific evidence into decisions, I'm you know, only too willing to do that and have a kind of responsibility to say yes if I can.
0: I like that. And they're based in Paris. Any chance of uh, going there in person to pick up this certificate or whatever No, no,
1: they don't do I, – I mean, I, I don't even know if I get a certificate, to be honest, but I certainly <laughs> don't have a trip to Paris on the cards. I'd love to go to Paris. It sounds great. I don't know. Maybe Radio New Zealand's got some money for me.
0: Maybe you could cover the Olympics for us this year.
1: <laughs> yeah. Yeah, well, you know, I, don't, I don't really have the expertise there. Uh, okay. Okay. <laughs>
0: Um, thank you for all the great work that you do in science, and, and you pop up from time to time on uh, RNZ. In fact, last time with me, I think we were talking about the uh, the mawhua. Um Yeah, yeah. But um, can you tell me a bit about your current areas of interest?
1: Yeah, well, I'm interested in a huge range of things. So I am interested in in birds and their evolution. I'm interested in making mathematical models that tell us about how evolution has occurred. And I'm interested in the history of science as well. So the history of things to do with genetics, including some horrible things like the history of eugenics that I think I've talked to you about even longer ago than the Mohua. So, you know, quite wide range of things that evolutionary genetics can tell us about.
0: Yeah, uh, you had a good uh, conversation with Kim Hill about that as well, if people want to look that up. Um, Science communication is a term we hear quite often these days. Um, Are we getting better, or are scientists, and is the world of science getting better at communicating to a wider audience?
1: I think undoubtedly it is. I mean, many scientists recognise that, you know, they're paid by the public to do their job, and the public wants to know what they're doing. And you know, many scientists are actually pretty good communicators. I mean, there's some not so good, but many of them are really good communicators and are enthusiastic about what they're doing. And, you know, that enthusiasm is infectious. They're doing cool stuff. They're finding out exciting and sometimes unexpected things. And I I think many, many more scientists right across the spectrum, physicists, biologists, um, medics, uh, you know, anybody who's a scientist recognises the importance of being able to communicate their results.
0: Can it be taught, do you think?
1: Yeah, I think it can. Um, I mean, I'm a, I, you know, Pat myself as an example, you know, I'm a better communicator than I was when I started my career. I, you know, worked out some things that, that work, you know, the ability to tell a story is really important. Um, I think there's lots of things that can be taught and um, different places do exactly that.
0: And you don't mind if sometimes you're called uh, on to be on the radio about something which isn't of grave importance, which is just quite fun. I know in, yeah, uh, in December yeah. you, um, you managed to not just spot, but also photograph a bird that was half male, half female.
1: Yeah, yeah, that was pretty cool. Um, I wasn't the one who first spotted it and I didn't, wasn't the one who took the best pictures, but um, it was a cool story and it was a, it, it just a chance to, to bring something that wasn't um, you know, was about horrible things in, in Gaza or about uh, you know, climate change or any of those things. It was just a fun story about this bird that was male on the uh, left and female on the right. Um, and, you know, exciting, great pictures and a good story.
0: I note that one of your interests is New Zealand mollusks. We might have to have a longer chat about that at some stage, but um, what's the particular area there that you're uh, looking at?
1: Well, again, it's uh, the evolution of of different mollusks, and in particular, what it can tell us about how that diversity came about, and how closely are our mollusks related to those in Australia, or for that matter, uh, South America, because Great Southern Ocean has this incredible current that goes around Antarctica strongest oceanic current in the world and it, it influences our um, animals and plants to an enormous degree so I'm interested in questions like, like that so where did our um, mollusks and other plants and animals um, where did they come from and uh, in an evolutionary sense not where did they come from
0: last week yeah actually I, I know sort of breaking news critter of the week for us this week is the Palafanta superba.
1: Oh. They're cool. Yeah. They're really cool. Yeah. They're beautiful, beautiful organisms. And, and, and on a world scale, they're just incredible. right? They, I mean, they're, they're really big, but the shells are beautiful. And and you know the fact that they eat earthworms and can eat several at once is amazing. The giant. Hope,
0: who, who are you talking to about that? that uh, Nicola Tookie. Nicola Tookie, our regular oh, yeah. I uh, know Nicola. Uh, correspondent. Yeah. She's yeah. great. Yeah, she's, she's great. great. Hey, well, um, well done. We're really glad to have some time to celebrate this with you and we look forward to having you back on the show and uh, enjoy this well-deserved accolade. Thanks, Jesse. Talk to you later. Bye. That is distinguished Professor Hamish Spencer.